Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 107 of the Flying Free Podcast. So a couple of weeks ago, I addressed a very common and serious problem among survivors who've been through so much injustice for so many years. And some of that injustice includes emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual, financial abuse, every kind of abuse you can think of. It includes things like being kicked out of their churches, uh, losing their children, losing their careers, losing their health, being rejected by their families of origin, and so much more. Now, the question that they're grappling with in their minds and certainly I've done the same, trust me on that, is where in the world is God in all of this? If God is so loving, how can he just stand by and watch all of this happen and do nothing about it? Why do these wicked people get away with the things that they do? They get away with lying. They get away with cheating. They get away with all these things. They get away with stealing our children from us. And then victims end up having to suffer for years into the future. So what I did a couple of weeks ago is to break down this thought five ways by using a model that I teach in my coaching programs for women of faith. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, I really want you to actually stop listening to this one right now and go listen to that one first. It's episode 105. All right. It's really important because it kind of provides the foundation for what I'm going to be talking about today. So if you've listened to that and you're all caught up, we're going to expand a little bit more on some of those thoughts, because as we learned a couple of weeks ago, what we believe about God is going to create different results in our lives. And I want every single one of you to have beautiful results. I want you to experience peace and love in your bodies. That's what you were created for. And it feels good. And it is available to us, regardless of our circumstances. I know this because I've experienced it myself, and I've read about and talked to hundreds of women who have also experienced this. This is where we get to take our power back. We get to take our inner worlds back. Now, maybe you've never had power, and maybe you've never felt in control of your own mind and your own body and your own life. And I really want you to be able to experience that in your lifetime because that's what you were made for. Now, if you remember, we talked about how there are five different thoughts or beliefs that we get to choose from for ourselves when it comes to the circumstance of God. Okay, so first of all, there is a God and he is powerful, but not loving. Number two, there is a God and he is loving, but not powerful. Number three, there is a God, but he's not loving or powerful. Number four, there is no God. And number five, there is a God and he is both powerful and loving. Now, it doesn't really matter what we think as far as the circumstance of God. What is as far as what I'm saying is it doesn't matter what we think in relation to what is true. So what, what is true is true, regardless of what anyone thinks about it. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably run into this a lot in your life, where people believe things with all of their heart, but they aren't actually true. 
Maybe your abuser, for example, believed that you were having an affair. I've heard this story quite a bit, actually, but you weren't. But nothing you could do would convince him that you weren't. He believed that. It was a thought in his mind that he believed. So he was having all of the emotions and taking all of the actions as if it were true, even though it wasn't true. A couple of years ago, one of my kids was doing things that I didn't know about. It was happening for two years, but I had no thoughts about it. And therefore, I had no feelings about it because I didn't know it was true. I didn't know it was happening. I didn't know it was real. Once I found out about it, I had a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. But notice that the feelings I had had nothing to do with reality. They only had to do with the fact that I was now thinking or having thoughts about that reality. And that, those thoughts were creating all of those emotions and then, of course, the actions and the subsequent results in my life. So regardless of whether or not God is real or true, that's not actually the point for your life. The point is what you choose to believe when it comes to the subject of God. So if you decided to believe that there was a God and he was powerful but unloving, which is the abuser God that we talked about in episode 105, you would have a lot of thoughts and emotions about that, probably a lot of fear. And that fear would cause you to show up in your life in certain ways that would create negative results for you. It wouldn't matter that perhaps there wasn't even a God to begin with, or that there was a God who was totally loving and powerful. The point is what you believe is creating your results, not what is actually true. The men who flew planes into the World Trade Center, uh, Trade Centers, totally believed that that's what God wanted them to do. They believed in the abuser God, and the result is that they themselves became abusers. It didn't matter that God may not be an abuser God at all. The only thing that mattered to their actions and their results was what they believed about that God. My point is that we all have to believe something when it comes to the circumstance of God. Everyone has faith. Everyone. Even the atheist is believing in something. They are believing that fifth thought or that fourth thought that there isn't a God. And that's faith as well. Faith is just basically what we choose to believe about God. Now, in episode 105, I talked about how what we believe has a direct connection with how we feel and how we show up in this world and the results that creates for us and the people around us. And you'll have to go back and listen to learn more about that. But today, I want to dive more into the nitty gritty of how, if we believe that God is loving and powerful, how do we reconcile the fact that there is so much abuse in this world? Not only abuse, but we've got horrible accidents that happen. At any time, someone that we love could be in a horrible car accident or a plane accident or could fall out of a building or some other horrible thing. There is suffering in our world. We've got racism. We've got people starving to death or going without water. We have earthquakes and tsunamis and pandemics that kill thousands of people. If God is powerful, he could stop it all and he chooses not to. And if he is loving, he would stop it all, right? So he can't possibly be both. And that's how the argument goes. We think if he doesn't do anything, then he is complicit to the abuse. He's actually evil. 
But let's think about that for a minute because there are more ways to think about this than that. Always, always question your thoughts and your beliefs. That's how you will come. That's really how you will grow in self-awareness and how you'll be able to get to the bottom of things to make better decisions about what you want to believe. All right. Let's take the story of Adam and Eve. God stood by while the devil abused them by lying to them about God. He manipulated them to do what God told them not to do. And God didn't stop them from doing it. God didn't stop the devil from doing the tempting. Whether you believe this is a real story that happened in history or you believe it was an allegory is irrelevant. We're talking about the story. In the story, God didn't stop the devil and God didn't stop Adam and Eve, okay? Why not? If God had stopped them, what would that have meant? I mean, we stop our toddlers from playing with guns or eating rat poison because we're loving parents, right? Why would God let his toddler humans open Pandora's box if he was a loving parent? And then we come to the conclusion that he must not be a loving parent. But do we stop our adult children from making bad choices? Can we stop them? Yes, maybe. If we locked them away and took away their freedom, yes, if we get to decide what is best for them and control their lives, if that's our responsibility and our duty, then yeah, we could maybe control them. Do you want your parents to come into your adult life and control you now? Or do you want freedom to make your own choices, to make your own mistakes, to fail, and then to learn and grow from those failures and mistakes? Now, some parents actually do do this, okay? They, adult parents of adult children, they will actually try to control their adult children. Maybe you have a parent like that. We don't call those parents loving, though, do we? We actually would call them abusive. Abuse is power and control over another human being. So I actually really love and like my reasons for believing that God isn't like that that he gives humans agency and freedom to choose to do what is right or what is wrong. And through that agency and exploration, humanity gets to grow and learn and evolve. Now, some people look around and think the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And you know, I, I, I talked to people, I, someone on Facebook, I saw when, uh, when Biden won the election, they said, well, this is it. The, the, the return of Christ is imminent now. Okay, so in their minds, they had a story that if Biden became president, that the end of the world was at hand. And that, but we have to understand that that's just a story in that one person's mind. Maybe it's in thousands of people's minds, but, but it's just a story. And, and they can totally believe that. That's their choice to believe that. Other people will look around and think the world is actually getting better that it's safer and better today than it was 100 years ago to be a woman, for example. Now, do we have a long ways to go? We absolutely do. But in for me, that's more what I choose to believe. I choose to believe that the world is actually getting better because humanity is learning things. We're making lots of horrible, egregious mistakes, but we are learning things and we are trying and we are growing. See, if God is loving and not abusive, 
He will give power. He will, I'm sorry, he will give power and personal agency. He's not going to take it away. But in doing that, there are going to be people who abuse that personal agency and use it for evil. And then other people are going to use it for good. We can't control abusers in this world, but we do have power to control ourselves. We have power to control our own minds, our own bodies, our own actions, and our own lives. And even if someone were to take us and put us in a hole by ourselves, like they did to Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or put us in a concentration camp with hundreds of other women, like, like was what happened to Corey Ten Boom, or put us in prison, like Joseph in the Bible, or kick us out of the temple, like they did to Jesus, they can't steal our spirit. We still get to decide how we want to show up in those particular circumstances in our lives. And if you look at those examples, you will see the power of God in the human spirit. But that power cannot reveal itself through us unless we believe it is there and take hold of it. And that requires faith in that kind of God. It will require us, just as it required Alexander, Corey, Joseph, and Jesus, to believe that we are part of something far greater than just our small, brief life on earth. It will require us to believe that we are not like ants who can be crushed and forgotten. And by the way, who's to say that that that's all that ants are for either? Anyway, you know, we have no idea. But to believe that God is so much more imaginative and powerful and loving than that. But you see, we're going to need to think and believe bigger than what we're used to than what our churches and maybe our parents taught us to think and believe. We will need to start thinking like the God we believe in. All of those people, Alexander, Corey, Joseph, and Jesus, changed the world through their experiences and their faith in the midst of those barbaric conditions. Did they enjoy suffering? Of course not. Corey got angry, you read about Jesus begged God to do things differently in, the, in Gethsemane. Nobody likes to suffer, nor is suffering in and of itself a good thing. It's not God's plan for us. God's plan for humankind was not that he would create us and then send us all into suffering. But God's plan for humankind is going to come about in spite of suffering. That's the grand mystery not because of suffering, in spite of suffering. Because evil doesn't get to win. Fear doesn't get to win. Abuse doesn't get to win. Love gets to win. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, a Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. 
I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. But the question for you sitting in your particular individual circumstances is this, what is winning in your life? What are your results? Are you full of fear? Ask yourself why. This past summer, I was riddled with fear and I was miserable. A lot of really bad things happened. 2020 was not a good year for most of us. I also found out some things about some of my kids I didn't know about. A lot of past injustice caught up to me and I was face to face with it again. I got to tell you, I wasn't sure there was a God at that point. There was this niggling little doubt in the back of my mind. What if everything I believed was a hoax? And I started to think that maybe God was either abusive, like all the religious abusers in my past, or maybe he didn't exist at all. And despair began to set in. Because I love my kids and I want their lives to mean something to someone greater than me. I want them to be safe and loved and kept and ultimately to be set free. I did a lot of crying and grieving this summer and it was good. It was painful, but I let it come. I didn't fight it. I didn't run away from it. I decided to lean into that pain and it taught me some profound things. It taught me that the human experience is sometimes amazing and miraculous and full of joy. And the human experience is sometimes tragic and painful and full of sorrow. And I had to decide if I was going to be all in on this mysterious life my creator gave to me, or if I was going to bail out and give up. I had to decide who I was and how I wanted to show up in my life, regardless of whether it was going well or not. I had to decide if I wanted to believe in an abuser God, no God, or an amazing God who has a plan for the human race that is ultimately redemptive and healing. And I decided that who I want to be is someone who is free to make mistakes, to speak up, to fall down, to fail, to succeed, to make my own choices, to hurt, to laugh, to feel terrible, to be wrong, to be right, and to just plain old be fully human me. And in order for me to show up as fully myself with all my good and my bad, I realized I was going to need to believe in a creator who was all about that as well. A creator who loved me exactly as I am and who is involved in my life. Get this, not to rescue me, not to control my life or make everything go terrific because that is abusive but rather a God who allows me to live a fully human life with all of the human experiences available to me on this planet, and that he was going to support me and evolve me and transform me here on earth 
and even in the afterlife, whatever that looks like. I choose to believe that I am safe because when I feel safe, I show up from a place of love and vulnerability and freedom, even in the hard things. I don't have to be safe in my family of origin to feel safe in my soul. Someone can disparage me or tell lies about me, and I can still totally feel safe because I believe I am safe inside myself, and what they think is irrelevant to my beliefs. They totally get to have their beliefs, and they have my permission to be wrong about me. I get to have my beliefs, and I love my beliefs and my reasons for them. Now, before we end this episode, I want to take everything I've shared with you so far and apply it to the original comments that I read on Facebook that I, that I talk about in episode 105, and I want to tell you how I would respond. So here's the first comment. Why does God continue to let so much injustice and oppression happen by the same people without executing justice? To be silent in the face of oppression and injustice is still an action against those being oppressed. God is being complicit, and that doesn't go along with who he says he is. His inaction seems so far from the God I know. God just being with us is not enough. Okay, so to this comment, I would say that God gives human beings agency. And sometimes humans use their agency to do horrible things to other people. But if God were to control us, nobody would have freedom. And that in itself is the definition of abuse. We want freedom to make our own choices, no? Then we need to give that same freedom to others. There's a story in this comment that this person is telling themselves that I have told myself and that perhaps you are sitting there going, yeah, yeah, that seems true. The story in this comment is that God is silent and complicit. But I want you to see that that's just a thought in our minds. Do we want to believe that? Does that thought help us create amazing results in our lives? And is it even true? What if God is not silent? What if we introduce the thought to our brains that he's quite loudly and powerfully moving humanity in a direction of love through individuals and their daily choices to show up for their neighbors in the big and small ways? I see God moving in incredible ways through social justice movements on earth. And yes, it's extremely messy because he is moving through messy human beings, but he is moving. He is loud. He is never complicit to abuse, but uses all things, including abuse, to change the world. If I hadn't experienced all the things that I went through, I wouldn't be working with hundreds of Christian women today. I wouldn't be writing books or doing this podcast. I would be sitting on my porch drinking lemonade and holding grandbabies. And there's nothing wrong with that, and I hope to do that too someday. But what I'm saying is that abuse is a horrible, horrible thing, and God speaks loudly through it. Okay, so here's the next comment. God cannot be all-powerful and all-love, so I choose to believe that He is all-love, and I no longer expect Him to change anything in my life, but to just be there with me through it. Okay, now there's a story in this statement that God can't change anything in our lives. That's the story. But is that story true? Where did that story come from? 
I see women's lives changing every single day. How does God change lives? He uses people. We are his hands and feet in this world. And we start by changing our own lives. And that starts with our thoughts and our beliefs. And then as our own lives change, they inspire change in the lives of others. I thought I'd be stuck in my former marriage forever. You guys had nine kids. How's a woman with nine kids supposed to get out? But I did. I eventually got out. Just because change is slow and sometimes imperceptible doesn't mean it's not happening. I've seen women in egregious situations get out eventually. And even if you are still in your abusive relationship, you are changing. Every day that you do your personal work, your life is changing. Because our lives are not about where we live, who we are married to, or what is happening outside of us. Our lives are in our minds and bodies and hearts. This is where life is truly lived. And your ability to change is within your grasp every moment of every day. Here's another statement. Abuse is abuse regardless of who does it. Position never, ever justifies abuse. I'm with you on the whole. If he's there, why the hell isn't he doing anything? What good father would sit by his daughter while she's being assaulted and say, it's okay, baby, I'm right here, and not save her? It's gaslighting and coercion. Okay, so I covered this earlier a little bit, but again, this is a story here that God is watching all of the terrors on this earth and he's powerless and loveless in the face of those terrors. But we actually don't know if this story is true unless we know all there is to know about God, about the future, about the multiverse, and everything else. And as far as I know, there is no human yet who has answers to all of that. So this is just a story like any other story that we might tell ourselves about things we don't know anything about. The question is, does this story serve us? What if the real story is, just throwing this out there, what if the real story is that God is totally saving all of us and we just aren't there yet? What if he's decided to save us not by being a control freak God who controls everyone, but what if he's saving us in a different way? Does this story serve us in a better way in our lives? Or do we like the abuser God story so much that we can't let go of it? Okay, here's another statement. Where is the God of the Bible who rescues and miraculous works are shown? Now, this statement believes a story that God should control everyone and everything and do lots of miracles to prove himself and to reveal himself to people. But Jesus did lots of miracles. And for them, I've been reading the Gospels to my little boys. And so we're reading, you know, the story of Jesus over and over again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you see him doing lots of miracles. And for the most part, you guys, people didn't believe him anyway. So maybe there's a better story to our redemption than that. Um, another statement, the suffering seems endless and so very preventable and so very stoppable. Okay, well, it is if we get someone in there to control everyone, right? We would need our God to be an abusive dictator. But what if God is bigger and a little more creative than that? 
What if he's more amazing than that? What if God wants to use us and our experiences with pain and abuse to redeem the world? What if it starts with faith? And what if it starts with us? What if that's the real story? I'm not saying dogmatically that it is, because we don't know. I mean, there's a lot of scholarship out there to prove things both one way and the other. But what I want to leave you with is that you get to decide. And I encourage you to choose a faith that brings more love and light and freedom and hope into your own life and the lives of those around you. How you live is going to reflect the God that you worship. That's all I have for you today. Until next time, fly free.